Hey, you guys, welcome back to the All for God Soldeo Gloria podcast. With me today, I have Mr. Jim Tressel. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chloe. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. For those of you who don't know Mr. Tressel, he was a, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Has five NCAA national championships, and he's an author and the president at Youngstown State University. Before we get started, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about yourself? Well, I have the special uh, uh, honor of having coached your dad, and and uh, your dad and mom both went to Youngstown State, if I recall. Yes, I my aunt, I think one of my aunts went there. I have a lot of family members that went there. My grandma graduated from there, so I have a lot of family members that um have gone to YSU. We'll have to get you and some of our listeners to come and look at YSU and maybe who knows, maybe we'll get more penguins. Penguins yeah, in the warm country of Arizona. Yeah, I Personally, I love Ohio more than I, that's my favorite state that I've ever lived in. So I would definitely want to go to college somewhere in Ohio. Wonderful. And we're going to hop right in. And, you know, you have been extremely successful in playing football and then coaching. And now as the president of a university. And sometimes I know as a teen, it seems like someone is just lucky or blessed like David and that everything just seems to work out well for you. But I also know as an athlete that it takes a lot of work to become good at your sport. Is there something you can point to as the fountain to your success? Well, I, I was very fortunate, Chloe, kind of like you, to have great parents. And mm-hmm. they were a great example. And I had a lot of really good teachers. And, and I happened to have two older brothers who were were really good role models and, and uh, a lot of friends, you know, and I think uh, as I've watched college students now, this is my 46th year in college uh, administration and coaching and all the rest. And and as I watch the, the students who really have a, a good experience, who reach their potential, who prepare themselves for the future, who really get headed in a, into a really good trajectory, they're the ones that really do a great job of deciding who they're going to be associated with and who's going to help them make good decisions and and who's going to help them not make poor decisions and so I I was very fortunate I had a lot of good friends good mentors Uh, not that everything in life has been perfect because it never is Uh, one of the things you always have to do is handle those tough times but if you're surrounded with the right people you have a chance to do that Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that because I think, you know, your upbringing also has to do partially with that. Um, you know, if you grow up in a good household, Christian household especially, you know, you learn that you what kind of people you want to um, associate yourself with. And I think, you know, just looking to see, you know, people who are, truly are trying to live for Christ are definitely the people that you would want to surround yourself with. Well, you know, hopefully they're uh, there are people that want to serve others. And, and, you know, that's what the, the Christian life is all about is this uh, serving one another, uh, serving all people, you know, whether uh, they look like us or believe like us or uh, do the things we're interested in doing, uh, you know, to be Christ like uh, we need to serve everyone and, and uh, make sure that we do a good job of, of surrounding ourselves with people who will do the same. 
Exactly. And we all, as we go through our years, we all are going to deal with some type of adversity. But what would be your advice for dealing with adversity as a serious athlete when you constantly have other people trying to tear you down or try to make you feel like you didn't work hard to get at the place that you're at? One thing, Chloe, we talked about with our teams, whether we were at Youngstown State or Ohio State, uh, is the the reality that uh, adversity is going to be a part of our future. Uh, we know, that, you know, we would like everything to be perfect, but it's just not going to be that way. And that uh, really the way that we would be measured would be how did we handle those adverse type moments uh, when uh, maybe someone was saying something that wasn't so kind or someone was rooting against us or uh, happy that we didn't succeed or whatever. And, and I, I would say that uh, in my mind, what's helped me during those times, because I coached for 38 years, so you can imagine how many up times we had and how many difficult times we had and uh, counting on one another, staying close as a as a family of student athletes, as a family of coaching staff, and obviously with our personal families. But I also uh, really kind of held on to the fact that I knew that God always had a hold of my hand. And that Mm -hmm. even though at times we were walking through darkness, he he had a hold of my hand. Uh, Walking through adversity, excuse me, he had a hold of my hand. And uh, having that faith, uh, that, uh, you know, we're going to make it through the tough times and we're going to surround ourselves with people who will help us do that. Uh, mm-hmm. I found that to be the key uh, in, in we used to always say we're going to have to handle the ups and downs, you know, the, the good times and the bad. And, and we're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you've coached for a really long time and I've grown up with my dad coaching for an extremely long time. But what would be your advice for somebody who would want to be a coach when they're older? How to, you know, how to, when you have players, how do you, you know, show them compassion and stuff, but still, you know, give them an edge and make them work hard so that they can succeed? Well, the thing, uh, Chloe, we always talked about as a coaching staff was that, that our students didn't really care how much we knew until they knew how much we cared. And so the first thing that we needed to do is make sure our students, student athletes, players, whatever you want to uh, title them, knew that we cared deeply about them and that it was more than just about the sport. It was about uh, all the experiences, all the learning, all the maturing that they were going to do while we were together. Um, And, and then the other thing is, is that, uh, uh, we also wanted them to know that we were aware of just how good they wanted to be and that we would uh, we would stretch them. You know, we would we would push them. We would show them what it takes for them to reach their goals. And so the first thing I always wanted to know, Chloe, was what were the goals of my individual players and what was the goals of the team? Because if they told me that they had these really lofty goals, then uh, it would be my job to help them understand, okay, if you want to accomplish these lofty goals, uh, here's, here's what it takes. And we liked to study people who had achieved and, 
and learned what it took for that achievement. Uh, and I, I used to always tease them that I didn't want them coming back to their 20 year reunion saying, I don't think coach knew how good we wanted to be. He should have worked us harder. He should have expected more uh, that I wanted them coming back to the 20 year reunion saying, boy, am I glad uh, that our coaching staff knew how good we wanted to be. And, and, we were able to enjoy all these successes. Mm -hmm. And my dad actually showed me the winner's manual that you gave to him uh -huh. and your football team at YSU. And I thought it was pretty cool. And he actually said a similar thing. He said that um, you used to make them write down two to three things that they were thankful for like every day and then write down their goals each day before football practice and I thought that's really cool because my dad actually does that a lot now. When I was in fourth grade, I got to play for the middle school team because I was homeschooled and I was 11. So they let me play for the middle school team. And my dad was coaching mm -hmm. and he used to give us um, note cards and he would say for each week, he would we would have to write down like a couple of things we were thankful for and then our goals that week. And then we would write down a way that we would try to make our teammates better. That's and right that's he learned that a lot from you now and I didn't know that before but I do know that now and you have been extremely successful um as I said earlier and what would be your advice on you know remaining focused on God and not from him as you become so successful you know Chloe I think one of the most difficult things for all of us is to keep things in proper perspective and sometimes because of uh, it seems like society uh, is applauding us when we win and when we, you know, have championships and, and you can get tricked into thinking that that's where your self-worth is and mm -hmm. uh, keeping that perspective as to, you know, what are the priority things in your life? Uh, what are the things most important is something I think that you need to intentionally work on. And it's not easy because a lot of times you get more reinforcement, you know, on some of those uh, things that uh, have to do with the wins and, and, and the notoriety and so forth. But uh, uh, every day before I would go to work, Chloe, I would try to read this little uh, paragraph or two to help me keep my perspective. Cause I knew as a coach, um, I was often, uh, evaluated on how many games we were winning and, and, uh, you know, were we big 10 champions or were we national champions or whatever? So I tried to read this little perspective item that I, I would be happy to share with you. And it was about the hall of fame and, you know, in sports, a big deal is hall of fames and so forth. So mm -hmm. this little piece, help me at least begin every day trying to keep perspective. And it went like this. It said the hall of fame is only good as long as time shall be. But keep mm -hmm. in mind, God's hall of fame is for eternity to have your name inscribed up there is greater more by far than all the praise and all the fame of any man-made star. And, you know, sports is a man-made star, uh, business, money, uh, notoriety, all that stuff is a man-made star. Um, but God's Hall of Fame is really what's important. And uh, that's the 
the type of perspective that uh, I think it's important to work hard to keep. Yeah, that's really good what you said. You know, a lot of times it's really easy to become caught up and what's going on on earth and trying to accomplish things that people on earth think are great when as you said you know you should be looking to what god thinks is great instead of what humans think well that's right and and, and you know we we uh especially your generation with all this social media and all the mm-hmm. distraction and all um it was probably easier for me when i was growing up and maybe it became a little harder when your dad and mom were growing up but now you guys have a lot of distractions. So it's important to be around the right people and work really hard together to try to keep mm-hmm. that perspective. Yes, that's very good. And now you're the president at Youngstown State University. And I was just curious to know, how did you go from like such a major change from being, you know, a college coach at Ohio State University to, you know, changing to becoming the president at YSU? Well, you know, it's interesting. One thing, Chloe, you and all your listeners will will find in life is that there'll be a lot of different chapters. Mm -hmm. Each chapter will have something different. Uh, Right now, you're in the chapter where you're going to school and and you're doing certain things in school, certain things out of school. Uh, Who knows? Maybe one day you'll go to college. Uh, Then the next moment will be you'll be have a chapter starting uh, to begin a career and perhaps a family and, you know, all those different chapters. And I always knew that I was going to have a chapter beyond coaching. I didn't know what it was going to be. And I, I really, I prayed about it a lot. I, uh, did a lot of reading to see what I thought might interest me. Um, and then it was in, it was really kind of strange. All the, I started getting calls from universities to um, consider being uh, an administrator. Um, I got calls from some small colleges about their presidencies. I got called from some larger schools about vice presidencies. And I decided that um, I really wanted to learn a new uh, path. And so I took a vice presidency at the University of Akron so that I could learn this higher education administrative track and spent two years there, and I just fortunately, and it, God is amazing with his timing, uh, mm-hmm. after I had agreed to be at the University of Akron for two years, um, just at that moment, uh, the presidency at Youngstown State opened up, and uh, I threw my hat in the ring, and, and uh, one thing led to another, and now I'm uh, nearly finishing my seventh year, which I Never dreamed I would be doing this this long. Um, I thought I'd come for two or three or four years. And so you never know what the chapters hold, uh, but you have to be ready for new chapters in your life. Yeah, that's crazy. I love that, um, how awesome God works in all of our lives. And this is something I'm just curious about personally is, you know, what are some of the responsibilities that go into being the president at a, at a university? Well, you know, it's really interesting. People ask me all the time, Chloe, what's the difference between coaching and being the president? And and when I was coaching, I had about 100 student athletes and maybe a dozen coaches. And we were a real close-knit group. And then all of a sudden, when you're a president, 
I, we have about 12,000 students and maybe mm -hmm. 2,000 employees. And all of a sudden, it's just so much larger. And my role here really is, is to try to do a good job of making sure that all of the different sectors uh, have what they need to succeed. Uh, I spend a lot of time in fundraising for scholarship dollars for our students. Uh, I do a lot of, spend a lot of time fundraising for uh, faculty chairs and professorships so that we can really do a great job of upgrading our faculty. Uh, we do a lot of fundraising for the building of new facilities so that our students have state-of-the-art facilities. Um, do a lot of work out in the community because we want the university to be very helpful uh, in the community. And so I spend a lot of time in that external facing role out in the community and uh, spend a decent amount of time trying to recruit students here, uh, you know, having them get to know us. And, and uh, I try to get out and, and be with the students out on the campus as much as I can just to, to be an encouraging figure. Uh, but one thing I've learned about being president, it's, it's even even more uh, time consuming than being a coach. Yeah, I, I mean, you have a lot more um, students and stuff that you um, have to care for and stuff. And I think it's awesome how you how awesome it is that you went from being, you know, a coach to the president like that. I just love how God works so awesomely in all of our lives. And as I said earlier, you know, you gave everybody at YSU, you would give them a winner's manual. And then now a few years ago, you wrote your own winner's manual, which I haven't got the chance to read yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading it because I tried to get it at the library, but I guess they didn't have it. And it's like, they didn't have it. So I'm definitely going to be trying to get it soon. But would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about your book? Sure. Well, Chloe, I know you have my email, so you send me your address and I'll send you a, a winner's manual out so you don't have to worry about tracking it down. But um, oh, thank you. sure. Um, probably 15 years ago, when I was still coaching at Ohio State, uh, I was approached to uh, write a book about a great season that we had had. And, and I kind of told the people that, you know, when you write a book like that, it's, it really only lasts a short moment and, and it, it's kind of tied to time. And, and they said, well, we'd really like you to write a book because we want you to help in the fundraising of the uh, renovation of our Ohio State Library. And so we would like to take the proceeds of the book and, and uh, help us with this renovation. And I thought, well, you know, that's a good reason, you know, to write a book. It's, it can beyond, you know, just writing a book. It can have some, uh, some help uh, otherwise. And so uh, we decided to write the book, The Winner's Manual, which was about the winner's manual that your dad has shared with you that we had for each of our players. Now it's not exactly uh, like our winner's manual because our winner's manual ended up growing to be about 400 pages. So we didn't want to write a book that was quite that long. And, and so it, it's a little bit about how uh, we utilized our own winner's manual. Uh, I've had a lot of high school and college coaches reach out and, and, asked to see one of the original ones and we've tried to do that um, but it 
its focus is on, as you and I just talked earlier in this broadcast, about uh, setting goals with our students, helping them uh, decide in, in all phases of their life, their spiritual life, their education life, their uh, sport-related life, their uh, community service life, their health. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what are their goals and dreams? And then we can write a plan based upon what their goals and dreams are in every area of their life. And we had fundamentals that we always talked about. Uh, you brought up the fundamental of gratitude that we asked our players every day, uh, you know, to write down one, two or three items that day that they were grateful for. And we would do that each and every day. And uh, but gratitude and enthusiasm and handling adversity and and uh, um, persistence and excellence and attitude. So we had a lot of different uh, uh, fundamentals that we we tried to develop. And in the book, The Winner's Manual, we picked 10 of those fundamentals and we called them the Big Ten fundamentals because Ohio mm -hmm. State was in the Big Ten conference. Yeah. And uh, so we, we just kind of wrote about how our players went about uh, making sure that they were going to grow in every phase of their life. Yeah, that's, you know, I think that's amazing that you got to write your book like that. And um, I already, I'm going to be releasing this soon, or I will already by the time this is released. I'm Macy Gira, guys. She wrote a book and for teens. And I think I've had, you know, you too. And I think, you know, um, I love listening to authors and stuff as well because I wouldn't write a book too soon when I'm probably older and I maybe when I have some more time because right now, you know, with moving and stuff, it's very hectic and I have a lot of stuff I have to get done. But I would want to write a book for teens, you know, pretty much pretty much the, almost the same thing, you know, dealing with adversity and stuff in our lives because I feel like now that there's social media, especially it can be really hard to get easy to get wrapped up in social media and stuff and forget you know about the bible and just you know scroll for hours and i was curious to know what would be your advice for you know teens and especially athletes who have instagram or facebook or whatever other social media and there's so many other people out there that maybe they think oh well they have a better they they just look better than me or whatnot what would be your advice for you know not judging yourself and comparing yourself to those people? You know, you know I think uh, the first uh, piece of advice I would have would be um, spend a lot of time reading uh, from good books like the Bible uh, mm -hmm. and from good podcasts like, you know, this one and, and listening and reading and, and so forth and, and uh, filling your, your mind with really good things. Um, I've seen it in scripture and in a variety of places that, that there's a, a fierce battle for all of our minds. And, yeah. and so you have to make sure that in that battle for your mind, you're, you're equipping yourselves and reading, uh, you know, from, from good things and, and spending time, uh, you know, with good people and, and not, um, not allowing yourself maybe to, get into the comparison thing about, uh, you know, what someone looks like on Facebook or, uh, you know, comparing yourself to others and, and, uh, 
Uh, but but having that discipline to spend, you know, I'm sure your dad would tell you uh, every day we started our day in quiet time. And that's when we did some of our reading and writing down our things we're grateful for. And so I, I would just recommend to young people that you get a little bit of a of a regimen where you spend some time reminding yourself how grateful you are. You spend some time reading, uh, you know, positive things. Uh, and that you don't allow yourself to get consumed, uh, you know, by uh, judgmental uh, social media back and forth and those kinds of things. Because, uh, again, there's a fierce battle for your mind and, uh, you know, you, you have to equip yourself. Yeah, I like that. You know, just guarding your mind from stuff that would make you compare yourself to other people. And, and also being very careful that you don't say and do things that would uh, be judgmental on people because you, you don't want to be a part of their uh, problem of uh, how they're feeling about themselves. And, and I think that's really critical is that we've got to take care of one another. You know, we've got to be good to one another, even though we might not know one another that well or understand one another that well. Uh, we've really got to work to take care of one another. Mm -hmm. Yes, we definitely do. And, you know, you got coached by your dad, too, when you were younger. And my dad coaches me now, and he also has been a high school coach for many years. But as I said earlier, we are going to be moving from Wisconsin to Arizona. So I don't really know if he's going to be able to continue coaching me when we get there. But I just wanted to ask if you had any advice for teens or for parents that are coaching on how to deal with having a parent as a coach or coaching your um, children. You know, you know, that is a difficult thing sometimes because just naturally, you know, you have such a love for your child, you know, you can get uh, emotionally wrapped up. Uh, and, and one thing I always appreciated about my dad when he was coaching me was that, that I knew I knew clearly how much he loved me and how much he cared for me. But I also knew that he needed to draw a line that didn't, he didn't cross over in terms of uh, treating me any differently than he treated all of his other students. And, and, uh, and I appreciated that he let me know that he, you know, he was going to have to really work hard for everyone to, to know that, that he wasn't going to give me, any uh, any special attention and, and uh, uh, anything more than he would give anyone else. And, and I thought he did a great job with that. And 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 he didn't treat me hard more harshly, you know, than he did anyone else. But uh, I think I appreciated that he uh, made it very obvious so that I didn't have the pressure on me uh, with maybe some of my peers saying, oh, your dad, you know, treats you better or whatever. Uh, he never put me in that situation. And so I guess I would say to any parent who's coaching their child, you know, don't put your child into a situation where it appears that they're getting preferential treatment, because if it, if it even hints at that, that's going to make it more difficult for your child with their friends. And yeah. I always appreciated the way my dad stayed away from that. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that because with my dad, you know, coaching our club team here in Arizona, um, you know, I want I would say he does treat me slightly differently, but more so in a 
if I mess up or something and I do something like if I forget to do a play or if I forget to run in the drill correctly, he'll get mad and he'll yell at me a bit because, you know, I've been around him for 13 years, literally, and I've grown and I've seen his stuff over and over again. Whereas, you know, if a different person does it, then he'll remind him and he'll only get mad if he has to continually repeat himself. So I think, you know, I definitely agree with trying to treat your child, you know, the same. Maybe if any, the only way differently, I would think would be, you know, um, not letting them, it's a mistake slide as easily, depend, depending on what the mistake is. And that was all that I would say on that. Yeah, no, and I would agree with that. As long as the parent tells the child that, hey, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, hold you to a real high standard and, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's not a surprise. And because you don't want the child to feel uh, as if, hey, my parent, uh, you know, doesn't care about me like I thought they did because they're being a little overzealous. So I think there's a fine line there that uh, the parent has to make sure that they walk that fine line. Yeah, I agree. And as a, when you were coaching, what would you say was the hardest challenge for you to overcome? You know, the biggest problem I always felt, Chloe, was I never had enough hours in the day to spend as much time as I wanted to with each and every player. Uh, because yeah. there was a just an endless uh, need for time and it just seemed like we never had enough of it. And uh, I always I always found that to be somewhat frustrating because I knew what my players needed. And I just uh, at sometimes I ran out of time to provide it. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, um, I my next question is going to be about disappointments, because obviously we all deal with a lot of disappointments in life. And, you know, this last, like, three to four months, I have this awesome teacher at the this private homeschooling thing, or, well, private homeschool, private school that's home, that has homeschooling stuff. And I've been reaching out to her, and we've been in contact for, like, three to four months. And she originally said that she would be a guest on the podcast. And I was extremely excited and looking forward to it very much. And then I sent her the questions, and she just, like, um, you know, I just don't feel very comfortable doing it and um, answering these questions in a public um, area. And I guess I can kind of understand that, but it was very disappointing. And I just wanted to know what would be your advice on dealing with disappointments? Well, you know, I think anytime we have disappointments, uh, I like to sometimes find out how we can grow from them and how we can learn. So let's pretend we had the disappointment of uh, we didn't win a big game we were wanting to win. Uh, That was our chance to go back and really study what we needed to do better and how we could have performed better. Or maybe maybe the disappointment is I'm a young uh, player on the team and and I didn't get to play as much as I'd like. Here's my chance to help that young player uh, grow to understand, well, here's what we need you to do better. And let's, let's go to work and let's improve so that we, uh, you know, can get you the opportunity, you know, to play in the game. Uh, the example you had um, with the disappointment of, oh, I was hoping to get, you know, this person on my podcast and, and uh, you know, so 
it, it's your opportunity, I think, to have compassion and empathy that, you know, maybe maybe they're just a little bit shy when it comes to answering questions. And uh, they were a little bit concerned that, you know, how would it come off? And, and uh, you know, some people do have stage fright, you know, and, and that, that's very real. So it's it's your opportunity with that disappointment uh, to be compassionate, you know, toward uh, someone and, and, uh, and then as time goes on, uh, you know, you, you can, you can remind them that, Hey, I'd love to have you listen to some of my podcasts and, and just see that, uh, you know, they're not, um, threatening in any way. They're not frightening. Uh, and, you know, please know that if you ever get to the point where, uh, you would be more comfortable, uh, we'd love to have you come on. Yeah, I that's very good advice. I definitely agree with that. And as I've been saying a lot, you know, we all deal with certain um, adversities and different disappointments, but we also deal with different struggles and stuff, and we deal with it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. What would you say is um, something that you've seen that in teens that you've seen teens struggle with a lot from a spiritual standpoint? You know, as you say, um, one of the things that we always have to, to, to um, keep in consideration is, is that we all are coming at things from a different place. And that's why we used to always talk to our coaches about having awareness uh, of, you know, what, where your students coming from, you know, what, what's the situation and then we had to have compassion. Yeah. And, and I think the first uh, awareness uh, directly toward your specific question is uh, having that awareness of, of what um, experiences that person might have in the spiritual realm. You know, have they had a, an example? Have they had someone uh, to have fellowship with or to, to perhaps disciple them or to show them uh the opportunity, you know, to grow spiritually. And, and so I think having an awareness of what the person's realities are, and then once you have that awareness, uh, I think that the compassion for where their beginning point is, because some people, um, you know, I've, I remember talking to someone one time and they said, you know, I'm just a little bit afraid to go to this Bible study because I just don't think I know as much as some of the people and I'll feel like I'm stupid or something, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, I, I just would rather not go. Well, they were being honest and they were saying, you know, I'm just not confident right now. And so what we can try to do is help people grow their confidence so that they are ready to take advantage of the next steps and, and those kinds of things. But having that awareness of where they are, um, meeting them where they are and helping them grow from that point, I think is really important. Uh-huh. Yes, definitely. And my dad always told me that you were really good at, you know, not coming off like extremely strong about it or like pressuring them to go to like FCA meetings or go to um, church or whatnot. He said that you always did a really good job of remaining calm and just, you know, recommending that they go to it, but not like coming off so strong that it would make them not want to go. Well, and the thing, Chloe, we tried to do going back to the winner's manual and and setting goals. uh, 
I always wanted to know what their goals were spiritually, and then I could help them grow. And uh, it could be their desire to grow that then I would try to feed. But as you say, the last thing you want to do is hit someone over the head or push them through the door that they're not ready to go through that door yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, they they, uh, just letting them know that, hey, we're here for you to help you grow. We'd love to know your goals and we we'd love to know your starting point. And, you know, we're not going to um, recommend you go into something uncomfortable. Uh, We're going to recommend that uh, uh, we meet you where you are and help you progress where you would like to progress. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I really like that. And you, as the president of a university, you obviously have a lot of things that you have to do, and you do a great job managing your time and staying prioritized. What would be your advice on prioritizing things and keeping your time managed? Boy, Chloe, that's one of the real mysteries of life, um, because sometimes you think you know how long it will take to accomplish something and then you'll have some more time uh, left to do the next thing or whatever. And then inevitably something takes more time than you had, you had ever hoped. So I I would say it it starts with going back to that phrase we used perspective and keeping the perspective of what's important. And so we've always got to set ourselves the time to spend our quiet time. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's important uh, when people set their goals spiritually, if they really want to grow spiritually, then that's maybe the first thing that they have to carve their time out. And that's going to be non-negotiable. Uh, and then I think you have to look at that list of other things that you've set as goals and get a good idea of what what's the time commitment to be involved. You know, if, if someone is a freshman in college and they tell me, their goal is to go to medical school. Well, I know there's going to be a lot of time carved out for studying because to, yeah. to go to medical school and to be prepared to test uh, with the MCAT test and be admissible to, to medical school and all that, that takes an extraordinary amount of time. Or if a person says, you know, one of my goals is to play two sports. Well, if they're playing a sport in the fall and one in the spring, perhaps, you know that's going to take a lot of time. So I think prioritizing, being aware of of the commitments that you make and and the time that it's going to take uh, to be uh, successful in your goals, that's that real uh, balancing act. And that's why you need someone, I think, helping you and mentoring you. And you need accountability partners. That's why you need good friends around you to tell you, Hey, now the two of us said we wanted to go to law school, so we 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 better get to studying on this certain things. Or we wanted to to win the state and the cross country. We better get out there and spend the time it's going to take to run uh, those kinds of times. So uh, you know that's the fun of, of trying to sort out the whole puzzle. Yes, and we are almost running out of time here, so we are going to move on to our another another segment. And that is our Would You Rather Bible-themed segment. 
and how it's just going to work is I'm just going to ask you, would you rather questions? And they're Bible themed. And then just tell me what you're thinking and why you chose what you chose. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best. All right. Would you rather have been in the stable when Jesus was born or have been in the tomb when he was resurrected? Oh, my. Um, I I think um, been in the stable when he was born only because I visited Israel and I, I saw that manger. I saw that cave. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like, you know, I was there. So I'm going to go with that one. Hmm, interesting. I think, I don't know, I think I would maybe pick the tomb because mm -hmm. in the Bible, you know, it like there's a lot of images and stuff like paintings and whatnot where it's like he's born and he has a halo over his head and whatnot. And we all know that's not really what happened, but I think both choices would be interesting. Mm -hmm. I think I would choose when he was resurrected mm -hmm. because I like he would just be like shining with light and i don't know i feel like that's why i'd pick he while when he was resurrected i i think i'd rather be able to do both yeah <laughs> <laughs> would you rather have been taught at the feet of jesus or would you have rather been visited by an angel i think taught at the feet of jesus Yes, I agree with that one. I think that if I was to choose to be visited by an angel, it would have to depend on what they were visiting me to talk about. True. Yep. And what what, what wisdom we were going to get. Yes, I definitely agree. Would you rather have been sold as a slave by your brothers like Joseph or have been placed on a sacrifice by your father? Hmm. I think I think I'll go with the second uh, place to sacrifice by my father. And why would you pick that one? I'm not sure that there would be any other greater honor uh, than to to uh, be called on to to uh, sacrifice and and serve. I, I can't think of any, uh, especially by your father. Yeah. I guess I didn't really think of it that way. I was just thinking from the, I don't know. I guess I didn't really think of that. But yeah, that is definitely true. And our last one was, would you have rather been there to help create earth or have been able to heal the sick? So the second one was be there to, to uh, heal the sick. Heal the sick. What was the first one? Would you rather have been, in the, like, been able to help create earth? I think uh, I'm going to go with the second one because I, I understand it a little bit better. Yes. I think maybe, hmm, I think maybe, I, I don't really understand how you could help create Earth, to be completely honest. Right, right. I, I feel like you can still heal the sick today, though. Like if you, yeah, there's only one creator, I guess, is what I was thinking. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, you know, I, I guess I didn't think through this question when I put it down very much. But, okay. you know, I heard this story at church one time that they were at this um, church at this, like, Sunday school thing. It was like a camp, and they had this one 
person there and he was blind and they just repeatedly prayed over him and when he left camp he was able to see again so i think, you know you're if you speak through the power of jesus you know then jesus heals them so i suppose you technically aren't healing them jesus right. is healing them but either way i mean i still think it'd be cool if you I, to be a part of it yes, yep i agree well, thank you so much for your time. This has been absolutely amazing. I'm so well, thank you. grateful and grateful that you came on here. And I'm sure all the listeners are as well. And before you guys go, make sure you guys go check out my Instagram, All for God, Tildeo Gloria. Tell me what you think and let me know who you think would make a great guest. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, and all you do, do it all for God's glory.